are two things that will serve you well, patient and the ability to be flexible. You can have your 10 year plan, you can have your five year plan, you can have your one year plan, but if you're not patient enough to act on it and wait for the good things to come, and then you're quitting all of a sudden because things don't look like they're gonna shake out, then you've already lost the battle. But if you allow yourself to be flexible, it may not look exactly what you're envisioning, but it looks like you're getting closer and closer and you just have to have some wiggle room to make it work for you, then you can get a lot further in life. Welcome everybody to episode 24 of the Paul and Pals podcast. I'm the host, Ponyboy Paul, and Paul and Pals is a podcast where I interview my creative pals to learn how to become who they are today to inspire you for tomorrow. On this episode, I have a creative conversation with my pal, Donovan Colquitt. He is the founder of The Scholar's Key, an organization dedicated to helping students go to college debt-free. And in this episode, we have a creative conversation about how he wrote his first book while he was still a teenager, uh, overcoming struggles just throughout his whole life, and then ending up to win $1.25 million in scholarships. So it's going to be a good one. Definitely tune in if you're kind of getting ready for that route, if you consider yourself interested in engineering, or if you're a parent listening and want to help your kids succeed as well. So without any further ado, let's get creative. How's the uh, the Midwest treating you? It's the Midwest. <laughs> it's, I like that. I like that. It's definitely uh, not too much going on. <laughs> <laughs> he said it's quiet. Uh, but no, I appreciate you for coming on, man. Um, I love how, I think when I reached out to you, once again, just just got back to me really quickly. And you was like, yo, I got you, bro. Here's the stuff. Here's all you need. <laughs> and I think you were doing all that while you were still trying to get your your PhD. So first of all, congrats on that. Um, you, <laughs> do, are you, you so are you done? Or are you like still trying to wrap it up? But what's what's the update with that? Right. So I have uh, recently passed my preliminary defense and finished my final class. So I'm ABD all but dissertation. I am. I just got to write now. It's just paperwork okay. at this point. <laughs> Got you. But that's big, man. I, um, my mom is always asking me about, you know, grad school and all that stuff. And I'm always <laughs> like, yeah, but I think for you, I'm, I'm really excited. We're going to talk about it, but I'm excited to hear about you did PhD and masters and all that stuff that I have, uh, no interest doing. So <laughs> I want to, <laughs> I want to always start by kind of how we met. And I was kind of reflecting on this because I'm like, I don't think there was a moment where it was like, oh, hey, I'm Donovan. Uh, hey, I'm Paul. I just felt like, once again, University of Michigan, small black population. And then with the, even that, you have a small black engineering population. So it's yes. like, it got to the point where I felt like you, even if you didn't know them, you were aware of everybody. Like, if you yep. were like, oh, wait, is that, you you knew, like, it's, it's so <laughs> that's that's really all that is. But I this, this episode is more about you, and I want to kind of cover a lot of things you know especially the entrepreneurship side and all that stuff but um i want to ask you where would you like to start with your story um if you want to take us you know back to the beginning yeah let's take it there um so for all those that don't know i'm getting my phd in engineering education and for me engineering uh has been a love hate relationship <laughs> maybe that much not not too much hate but definitely, I've definitely fallen out of love and fallen back in love with engineering. So mm -hmm. that starts when I was as early as the fourth grade. It was the first time I wrote down that I wanted to be an engineer. I come from a family of engineers. My dad is a mechanical engineer. His two sisters are mechanical engineers. And my granddad, uh, his dad, is a mechanical engineer. 
And I was never forced into or pressured to ever want to go into engineering. I think I just witnessed my dad always working on his classic car. And we had, we were blessed enough to have computers in all of our bedrooms. So he would be fixing on those different things. And in that exposure, um, especially as, as his son wanted to be closer to him, I saw that as a way to become closer with him. And so I, I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. I initially wanted to be a chemical engineer because um, I, I, you know, I, you know, I love Kool Aid, so I love mixing drinks. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> for real, I, no, for real. I love mixing drinks as a fourth yeah. grader. I thought that's what chemical engineers did. I just thought they mixed drinks all the time. Yeah. I, I, little old me did not know chemistry yeah. was definitely harder than that. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wanted to play with cars. Being from the Motor City, um, mm-hmm. Detroit car culture is a big thing. So. I, I knew I wanted to play with cars. I thought mechanical engineers just play with cars all day. That's not really what it is. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I learned that quick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. So um, I, I in the fourth fourth grade was very event, uh, eventful because that same year I made a deal with my mom that if I got a full ride scholarship to the University of Michigan's College of Engineering, then she would buy me a new blue Corvette. And the blue is my favorite color. The Corvette was my favorite car as a kid because I used to drive on Need for Speed, getting chased by the police all the time in the <laughs> in the newest blue Corvette at the time. And yeah. so, you know, I, I was like, I, how do I get this car? You know, <laughs> I, I want this that. car. How can I do this? So I, I made that deal with my mom. And, you know, I actually, it, it came to fruition. I didn't get the Corvette at all. I don't care what to say. Did you get I it? Got, <laughs> I got a full ride scholarship to college and hey, bless um, yeah, so I, actually I did get a, a, a nice blue Camaro actually out of okay. the deal. Okay. So, you know, I, dreams can come true in some ways. Facts. <laughs> right. So it, it worked out, but, um, but yeah, so I, I definitely, I ended up winning $1.25 million in scholarships my senior year of high school. I wrote a book called The Scholar's Key, How You Can Unlock Your Dreams as a Teen to help motivate other teams to apply for scholarships because I, you know, I think that that's the best way to be able to get your college degree is for free and to get mm-hmm. paid to go to school. So that's yeah. a big part of the mission for me. Got you. Now, that's a lot. I think uh, we, we, sum, we summarize almost your whole life. Then I'm, I'm curious <laughs> a lot about, you know, obviously your journey. That's the whole point of my podcast. Uh, but I'm kind of curious, why is fourth grade so eventful? Like how, how old were you at this time? Was there something about that year or just, it just because it seems like it stands out to you. <laughs> Fourth grade was a big year because I initially uh, growing up, I went to D- Detroit public schools and my mom got married in my third grade year. Third grade year, I had also gotten all A's and one B plus in the entire school year. So people are like trying to get me promoted for school like they wanted to double promote me. So I would be in the fifth grade. But I was moving to Southfield Public School System and, you know, it, it was a few more um, people. It was people of different races. Uh, it was predominantly black in Detroit Public Schools. But at the time, early on, yeah. it was definitely a, a lot more white people at Southfield Public Schools. So the gotcha. school system was a little bit more tougher. So I, mm-hmm. I went into the fourth grade with this mindset of, oh, I'm smart. I'm going I'm to get double promoted. But I took a test. They said I would be a C student if I 
<laughs> if if I got double promoted. So I was like, humble, <laughs> humble yeah. a little bit, you know. <laughs> I got a C yeah. in writing actually in my the first C ever in the fourth grade. That's funny. So, and you got you got a whole book out. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we we had just moved to Southfield in the fourth grade, so a lot of stuff was happening just in general <laughs> in mm. that year. So it just it sticks out to me a lot. Got you. Okay. And then um, another thing that you mentioned that I think maybe because I'm you know more Michigan, so I kind of know a little bit more about the Detroit side of things. But like, your it seemed like your whole family was kind of in the auto business. I would assume. Yeah. Uh, even my mom, she's not an engineer, but she worked for Ford for a few years. She still works for Ford actually. And my Got dad you. works for an automotive supplier, um, and so did my aunts. So it was pretty much if. If you live in the area, you probably were yeah. in some way affected by the big three. I see. And I and I asked that because I, I'm curious, like, how did that year 08 affect you? Because I feel like, you know, obviously the recession, but I, I think it hit Detroit a little bit harder. And I yes. wanted to know, were you kind of, is that memorable to you? I don't know if you were old enough, young enough. That That's very memorable. I was just starting high school at the time, 2008. I was, it was actually a year before high school. And so that was um, the year that my parents filed for bankruptcy. Um, They lost their jobs. My dad, my stepdad was an uh, electrician. He couldn't get work. And um, we were struggling financially. That uh, around 2009 was the year that we actually lost our home. We ended up moving into a townhouse that was roach infested we 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 weren't i wasn't prepared for that um i know my my stepdad was you know he w- couldn't wait to get out he, this wasn't the life that he wanted for us and so that year was a year that i was kind of determined to to make sure that i would never put myself or my family in a similar financial situation i i knew uh i would have to put in the work you know as a as a high school student i did not want to be social <laughs> I did not want to be in extracurricular activities. So I was like, that's more work. But if you learn how to play the game, if you learn the game, you learn how to play the game, you will realize that the work that you have to do in high school is preparing you for success later on in life. So I had to do extracurricular activities. I took on three jobs at one point in time in my high school wow. career because I was like, first I need to afford the future. But also, I need to make sure I have that work ethic so that people will be willing to invest in my future. Mm -hmm. And uh, was there, you know, because you're, I feel like, you know, early high school, you're still kind of young, right? You still, your parents are still taking care of you, right? Was there a lot of pressure from them when they, when they recognized the situation where they're in, where they were like, yo, Donovan, you got to kind of go get it. You got to get after it. Or Mm -hmm. did you more take that on your own and was like, man, I got to, I got to help the family out. Yeah, my my mom was a C student growing up. And so when I got my first C, I I remember the night before I was sweating. I was like, I probably got a C. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. My mom might beat me up or whatever. You know, you never know with a black parent. Yeah, yeah you but, never know. <laughs> but, you got to hide it. <laughs> i never forget. She I showed her my report card that next day and she just was like, I don't, you know, you don't have to be perfect. This is perfectly okay and normal. I was a C student. You know, I don't expect you to do any better than I did. And so my my parents, my family never really pressured me to to 
do everything that I ended up doing. But I knew that, um, you know, I, I, I took it upon myself to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make a change, uh, not just for me, but for my family. I don't want us to be in debt trying to afford an education. I don't want to be in debt trying to pay for my, you know, what I should be working towards. So I took it on myself to actually do the work and it paid. Facts. Big, big paid. And <laughs> right. I want to, I want to get more into that. So, you know, you mentioned that you started getting, um, more jobs cause you were kind of, I'm, I'm assuming you were thinking of college and tuition and stuff, but I guess when did you make that transition to, to realizing how to really tackle the scholarship game? Yeah. So I, <laughs> I remember in my junior year of high school, I had a computer class in the springtime and I, the class was the easiest class I'd ever taken. You just type and you, you copy whatever paper that you're given and then you're done with your work. So I took it upon myself to start looking for scholarships. My first scholarship search was high school scholarships for seniors or yeah, like seniors for high school scholarships. Or I can't even get the word right. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, bro. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll edit it out, bro. Scholarships for high school seniors is what I'm trying to say. It's a tongue twister. I'm, that's, a, that's a hard one, bro. I'm not even going to repeat it. I'm not even going to try. But, um, but yeah. when I did that, when I did that search, I just saw a list of scholarships. It was like abundant. I still see the same website to this day with that search. And um, I remember one particular Saturday, I took it upon myself to apply to at least five scholarships. <laughs> I applied, I, I spent hours working on essays for five different scholarships on one website. Wow. And, you know, you, you know, I would love, I would love to be able to say this, the story just starts there. And I was successful yeah, <laughs> after that, you know, I always won scholarships. There was never a failure, but in reality, yeah. I didn't get a call back, a text back, an email back from any of these scholarships. Matter of fact, I didn't get a single scholarship my junior year of high school. And that's after applying to as many as I could at the time that I was eligible for. Now, (laughs) my first scholarship was through the Summer College Engineering Exposure Program, or SKEET, as Paul knows about. (laughs) Right. And that was the first time I got a scholarship. It was the Engineering Scholarship of Honor. And it was a $40,000 scholarship, 10000 a year for four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that really was the catalyst for me to say, all right, I have something. Some people are willing to invest in me. They see something that I don't, I, I could never see in myself because I was, I was never, I was never the confident kid that, yeah. uh, that was like, my self-esteem was low. And mm-hmm. um, especially after being bullied and teased. So I I did not have the same, I was an optimistic person, but I didn't believe, I didn't necessarily believe that I would be rewarded for the work that I was doing because I didn't have the same understanding of who I am or who I was at the time. So um, after, after getting that scholarship, I realized that I had something, I was doing work and it was paying for at least my, my you know, half of my tuition or one third of my tuition at the time. Yeah. So I started to apply for more scholarships. I started to do even more work. I started to like collegenet.com. It's, it, it's no longer a scholarship website, but yeah. you can get a scholarship every, every week through that website at the time that it was available. 
And so I would be posting all the time, sharpening up my writing skills so that I could write clean, clear, cohesive essays. And by the time that I had basically, (laughs) by the time my fall semester had ended, I don't know how many scholarships I applied for, but I don't remember ever getting rejection. And it added up to $1.25 million in scholarships. Yes. I've never heard the word million in scholarships. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the crazy part. It's like, you never hear like, oh, I did this much and it was a scholarship. And um, I, I want to go to how you said you, you, you got rejected all that time. So I'm assuming you lost your confidence. So how did you actually win that first scholarship and how, how was that experience like? Um, the first scholarship was through a 12-day program where we basically learn about engineering, we're exposed, we're exposed to college. And um, I hated doing presentations. But on one of the final days, we had a competition. And we also had to do presentations about the work that we were doing in high school. And I just remember sweating bullets and talking to my friends and to the staff like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. But um, I I just remember being nervous as ever presenting about my story and all the things that I had been doing in high school. And I remember one lady was in the in the back just furiously writing down what I was saying. And I was just like, I must be doing okay because she she has a reason to write down something. And it was kind of that hit that told me you're doing the you're doing the right things. You should be proud Mm -hmm. of the work that you've done so far. And uh, before I knew it, the the end of the day came and we had our ceremony for the closing ceremony. And what they did was they had, I believe, 10 to 12 scholarships and there were at least 24 students, something around like 26 students. And so what they did was they announced the 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 people who earned the scholarships by their accomplishments first before they said the name. And so okay. I'm hearing these, you know, the people that were kind of like the clear, like, of course, they're going to get the scholarship. The dude who can talk about string theory and teach it in his own presentation is, is definitely going to get this scholarship. I yeah. do not know string theory. I'm not going to win this scholarship. I, I still don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what it is either to this day. So, <laughs> so we're in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so they, they were calling up these different people, people that were super um, charismatic, who could present like, or just, they were intelligent. They were all these things that I did not see myself as. Mm. And so when they finally said the thing that I knew it was me, but I didn't believe it, Random Acts of Kindness Committee Chair, I was like, wait, somebody else is doing that just like me? You know? <laughs> And then they started saying more things like, you know, Student Congress, National Honor Society, all these different organizations that I was a part of. And I'm like, it must be me. (laughs) And so I walked up to the stage with my mom. And, you know, for me, all the parents look like, of course, my child is going to win this scholarship. They didn't they didn't seem surprised. It was kind of like it was entitled. But for me and my mom. You know, my, my mom was a single mother until I was about the age of nine or 10, uh, actually third grade, fourth grade. <laughs> and yeah. um, my mom broke down crying and it was kind of like, 
I don't believe in mama, we made it moment. But if that was the moment, that was the moment. Because that was an indicator that all the work I had been putting in in school for years was was paying off finally. And so it it was a moment that I'll probably never forget. That's beautiful, man. And I think uh, that, that's really dope. And I'm kind of jealous listening because I remember being in Skeep and I forgot about the whole scholarship situation. But I remember thinking like, dang, yo, I might, I might get me something, man. And then they never called my name. <laughs> I was I'm sick. sorry, Paul. You but deserved nah. it, though. You deserved the scholarship. <laughs> I appreciate that. But now nah, I'm happy to hear that. And it's, it's kind of good to hear like your your scholarship your scholarship origin story right because mm-hmm. I feel like that really motivated to like oh I can get it now right right and I and I relate to that because I feel like we always need that that one thing that 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 little validation because we that gives us confidence you right. know people always like to say like oh I don't care what people think but I think especially when you're trying to do something and you feel like you're not getting the response that you want or deserve. And then you, you finally get it from something or somebody right. that that confidence is crazy. So it seems like it helped you a lot. And, you know, we talk about 1.25 and it's scholarships, but I'm really curious. I want to get into like what how are you able to figure out what exactly is needed to win? You know what I'm saying? Because you wrote a whole book about it. You have a whole organization, but I'm always kind of wary about that because I feel like it's really all kind of up in the air still. So what did you figure out when you were? kind of curating your process? Yeah. So one of the main things that I I really advocate for students to do is to be authentic, be transparent, be vulnerable in their stories. Because if anything, they're trying to invest in your future. They want to know your story. And if you can get good at telling your story in such a way that is uh, emotionally evocative or can be thought provoking, it can really take you a long way. You may not have the 4.0, 3.5 GPA, but one thing that I can bet those students who do have those high grades, you know, they, they might not have is the ability to tell their story in such a way that can convince someone, hey, I did this hard work or I, I, I'm doing the best that I can. Please invest in me because I you you don't know what I had to overcome to get here. And this mm-hmm. and this is not going to stop me. This is going to get me to the next place. And you yeah. can help me get to that next place. So being authentic is, I mean, is a life lesson in itself. Be yourself and be proud mm-hmm. of who you are. And the next thing I would say is to really learn the Learn the basics of communication because communication is going to get you from one door of opportunity to the next. If you can write, if you can clearly communicate with people, it can take you miles beyond being able to be technically savvy because at the end of the day, you are here to serve people and people are here to be served, uh, to serve each other in order to serve the world. You have to serve people, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to send a, you know, a letter requesting that letter of recommendation, which some people hate doing, you know, if you can request someone and you can sweet talk them or you can convince them that you are worthy of being invested in, that can help you go a long way. (laughs) That can also help you go a long way. So Mm -hmm. there's, I mean, there's, there's so much that you can do and I don't necessarily know if I can get into all of it. But just know that 
at the end of the day, if you're going to apply, you are already putting yourself ahead of so many others because there's so many people that are convinced that either they shouldn't apply or that they've already been beaten. And so that's that's a big lesson in there. Don't don't give up before the race even starts. Apply, mm-hmm. apply, apply. And one or at least a few of those scholarships will at least send you a message back saying we'll get back to you with a award notice or not. But at the end gotcha. of the day, you have to apply because there's there's probably billions of dollars in scholarships that are not being being uh, taken advantage of. And I know people who have started scholarships who are like, I started a scholarship, but nobody applied at the high school I grew up at. And, you know, where does that leave me? You know, I, I can't find someone that I want to help. And people are here to help you. So be willing to get advice, get feedback from your English teacher on your essays. If you if it's a video essay, try to be creative. Take notes on how other people are doing uh, creative work. But at the end of the day, you have to use your creative bone. You have to be authentic and you have to be willing to put yourself out there. Gotcha. That's a, a good little summary of uh, the Scholar's Key book, which uh, you're willing to give away as a raffle prize. So appreciate you for that. Um, and a lot came to me when you were talking about that, because I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, your, a lot of your experience is based on that high school to, to um, undergraduate experience. You know, and obviously you, you went to grad school. So I'm, I'm curious, like if, if I'm listening, right, and I want to go get my MBA or I want to go to grad school and do a master's in something else, right? Do you feel like your book or your, your courses and services, could they still benefit me if I'm trying to do kind of graduate level stuff? Yeah, there's so my book is specifically meant for teens because I wrote it as a teenager. So mm-hmm. If anything you get from the book, you'll get motivation to pursue more than just the degree itself. Mm. So if you wanted to use my services, I've gotten four fellowships um, for graduate school, which is more than a lot of people can say. So I'd be willing to coach you through the process of finding and getting getting fellowships. The fellowships Mm. are a little bit of a different beast because there's a lot more restrictions and there are a lot more requirements for those specific fellowships. So um, really, at the end of the day, scholarships and fellowships are about fit. And if you are ever into like search engine optimization or marketing in general, you'll learn that there's gonna be keywords that these scholarship organizations or foundations are using to find their target audience. And so as long as you fit that criteria, you will likely be a viable candidate for this, the fellowship or the scholarship. So you have to make sure that you're eligible. And once you are gotcha. eligible for it, you're already halfway through the battle. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a little bit more like, uh, you, I guess you have the knowledge and your book is a little bit for the younger people, but it's like, it's a little bit more of a fitting a specific, you know, match. Like there's a little right. bit more of a higher tier requirement. And uh, I'm kind of curious about this book. You said you wrote it as a teen for teens, but as a teenager, I never had, I could even barely write essays. So I'm kind of curious about <laughs> how did the book come along? Like who inspired <laughs> that? Who who proofread it? Like all of that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, that takes me back. So I got the, I was the first African-American person to earned the Buick Achievers Scholarship through the General Motors Foundation. 
And what they did was for the first five to ever receive the scholarship, they had them flown out to the NCAA uh, Final Four championship games. And we basically had fun and got to see the city and all the different events that were going on. And so on our way, me, my mom, and my stepdad, on our way to the airport, I remember we were getting bused to the airport itself. And my mom was like, you could really help people with your story. You could, you, you should write about this. And I was like, really? You think so? <laughs> but after my, my context or my reality beca- began to get expanded as I, you know, we were in the West End Hotel. The first time I was ever in the West End. We were paid hey. to get food <laughs> and, and all this other stuff. I was like, man, I, I got a suite right now. And so that night, or the night after, rather, I opened up my book or opened up like a notebook and just started typing out an outline. And that outline was probably magic because I had no idea how the words were just flowing to me. Like, this is what I need to talk about. This is what I need to talk about. And uh, after I got back from Texas, where the NCAA was uh, having the game at the time, I started writing furiously every night. I was at the, the kitchen table, either my girlfriend, my, my now wife, her family's kitchen table, or at, or like at home in my bedroom, just typing it out. It took me probably a week to get most of it done and three weeks to finalize everything. Wow. Nobody proofread it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> nobody proofread it. Um, I was kind of, I was, I was a different child because I was praised in my AP English classes for the work that I did, and mm-hmm. um, I was. You said I don't need no proofread. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was trying to find one. I had, I tried to get I my mean... English teacher to do it, but she just never got back to me. But. Um, yeah, I'm humble. Like I, I'm a good writer, but yeah. I'm sure I could have done better. And um, I did not publish the book until four years later, when I was a senior in college. Why? Wow, what was the reason for the delay? Um, I was really pushing it hard to like start a YouTube channel and to um, really start speaking at different high schools. Or I started at my my. Uh, my high school that I had gone to. And I just hit a wall at one point. And I I had a medical issue where um, I was hospitalized three times in the summer. And wow. that, the diagnosis, summer? that was the summer after my freshman year. That was the, the same okay. summer where I was like, all right, I'm about to start everything. YouTube channel, get my logo, mm-hmm. everything. And so I was hospitalized three times. Uh, due to my disability and I that that changed my world you know I I did not see myself I didn't see myself as myself anymore I saw myself as broken and damaged and that really put a demo like it really demotivated me from pushing out the book but my senior year of high school I wanted to push out the book because it was it was like I was tired of being told no and I couldn't do it to anything like you know how you you know how University of Michigan College of Engineering being often the black the only black male in your classes in mechanical engineering yeah. and and just 
always trying to make the grade and struggling to get there if you ever do. And so I was, I was fed up. And so I made two decisions that changed the course of my life as a senior in college. The first thing was I bought my, my wife's engagement ring. And then the second thing was I had finally paid to get self-published in, uh, for the book. And so that, that was, that was my big step. That was my big moment to say, I'm not living life for anybody else. I'm doing what's best for me. And this is what's best for me at this point in time. Wow. And then, um, you know, I don't want to get too deep and personal on the, on the diagnosis. Right. But when this issue came about, was that kind of sudden to you or you, did you always kind of, um, had a feeling about something or did it just really just rock your world out of nowhere? It rocked my world out of nowhere. <laughs> I was wow. not prepared. <laughs> Got you. And then did it, did it, did you have to like stay out of school for a bit or were you able to kind of keep going, take any, any time off? So I, I was initially going to take three courses that following fall semester and I ended up dropping two courses and just taking one course mm. on disability. Uh, the following semester, I took two courses and I was able to use disability, um, like I forget the name of the, the organization organization in the, the university, yeah. but I was able to get um, accommodations to be still be full time and get my scholarships while yeah. I took my time to recover I see. and take classes. And that's great, man. I mean, that's that's tough. I, I mean, I never knew about that. So it, I think it adds more to your story. Um, but I'm kind of curious about these two decisions you made. You know, one, I want to talk about, um, you know, you and your wife. It seems like, because I think you mentioned girlfriend back in high school. So you guys have been together for a minute. And <laughs> I feel like committing to that in your senior year is a big deal. So let me hear a little bit more about uh, you guys and your relationship. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't mind. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so I met my now wife in the eighth grade. And I remember in the seventh grade seeing her and she was beautiful. I was like, man, I can't believe she's a year older than me because she's so fine that <laughs> I know she's a, she dressed professionally. She she always wore heels. She always had like a professional look to her. And so I was uh -huh. like, man, I can't believe she's in the eighth grade. I'll never get to talk to her. And then the eighth grade, next thing you know, we're in the same math class and we noticed each other, which I never thought I was cute or handsome, no matter how much my mom told me or my grandma told me. <laughs> I was surprised that she noticed me too. Um, yeah. So, so we know each other. I started, I got her number um, because of my friend. Hey, Nick. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, he was like, man, you got to get her number. You like her. So I, yeah. I asked her. Um, I don't even remember how I asked her, but I just remember calling you her. You remember. You were trying to say, you remember. <laughs> nah, nah, you know, it's, it's too long. It's too long ago. All right, all right, you hear it. <laughs> but um, I call her like almost every day. We would talk for a long period of time. We eventually said, I love you in the eighth grade, but she was not allowed wow. to date in the eighth grade. She okay. had cold feet when it came to us um, having our graduation dinner, our families coming together. She had cold feet. So she she kind of like she unofficially broke up with me Dang, at that point in time at the graduation at dinner? the graduation. <laughs> oh man! And so I I just I'm remember sick. going to Cedar Point after that with my family, and I had a, a deep fear of roller coasters. I had a deep fear growing up of roller coasters, but yeah. I went on every single roller coaster because my life was already over. I was like, 
She already left me. My life is yeah. over. I'll never find love again. I'm so serious. I went on every roller coaster. So I did not care. <laughs> you went on the Maverick in the SS, yep, bro. Yep, exactly. I was like, man, forget this. <laughs> but we eventually yeah. we, we eventually um, started talking again in our sophomore year. And at the end of sophomore year, we officially made it official over the summer so we started wow. dating and, and you know that's 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 how it started at least <laughs> and we've got you and stuck together ever since now i love that man and how is that um kind of been through because she's been there through all of this stuff that we've kind of talked about and i know you guys have something that you guys are kind of working together i think the co-quit a collective or something like that mm-hmm. um so i'm kind of curious like you know how has her support been like how it, you think she's really added value to your life what, while you're going through all this stuff that you're going through yeah so a big part of um what probably had me like always over her house was her family um for me i never felt like i belonged in my family i never felt like i really belonged in a lot of different places in my life but with her family, it was really different. It was more authentic, more, it was just so much more real to me um, because th- there was a lot of laughing. There was a lot of just fun. And so I spent a lot of time with her family and I watched a lot of her younger siblings grow up right in front of me. So I've always been invested in her family and she's always been invested in me. So mm-hmm. the value has been immeasurable in my life because She's been there to critique me on all my speeches. She's been there to help me think through all my thoughts about my regrets. And, you know, we go to church together. She's she's brought me closer to God, actually, because, you know, you know what they say, you know, your your relationship with your father is often how you see God. And so I did not have a close relationship growing up with my dad. Uh, we, we didn't get closer until pretty much after I graduated college. But um, wow. but she brought me closer to God because her family raised her to be uh, Christ oriented. So, mm-hmm. so I I mean I the value is immeasurable. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, say it's yeah. got a limit because it's been limitless. Yeah, yeah. Now that's beautiful, man. I'm I'm glad to see it all kind of working out. And you know now that you're kind of in this space, you went through all the scholarship stuff. You you're you're finishing school. For you, what do you? <clears throat> What do you feel is next for you? Like, what do you want to do next? Because it seems like you've been in the education realm. Do you want to go corporate? Do you want to build your own company? Do you want to just change the world? Like, what's 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 on your mind right now? You know, a little bit of everything. Uh, sky's the limit. So what I'm currently doing is I am uh, I just signed a contract to do consulting with a company called First Roots, and they are a financial education company. It's software as a service, and they have a participatory budgeting software where they have uh, different schools have their students vote on different proposals or like they come up with the proposals themselves. They vote on the proposals and then they come to a consensus to then spend money that's given by the school itself to pay for that, that project. And so that's my, I guess, entrance into impact investing. I am considering kind of going into more of a ed tech consulting, maybe working with startups. Um, my passion is really STEM entrepreneurship. I would love to 
get a job where I learn to teach entrepreneurs that are black and brown how to build businesses. A part of my research for my master's in technology leadership and innovation with a specialization in STEM education leadership was to observe a nonprofit that teaches black and brown youth in high school how to build their businesses and leverage cultural capital to impact their communities. And so, um, you know, I have a, a deep, a deep uh, heart for that type of work. And so I'm trying to figure out ways to get, to, I guess, bridge the gap between my engineering education degree and entrepreneurship for youth. So yeah. really I'm, I'm open, I'm open to whatever God it brings yeah. into my, my course. Yeah. No, I like that. And then you, you mentioned passion uh, while you were saying that. And I know, I remember I saw one of, maybe I read through one of your, um, your poems, right? I, I saw yes. that you, you had some poems out and I'm kind of curious, where did that come out from all this? Are you still working on that? Or what, what was your uh, inspiration behind that? Uh, behind the poems? Yeah. Ah, uh, man, I've been writing poems <laughs> since the eighth grade when I met the love of my life. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> she was the reason why I started writing poetry. And so I have a ton of love poems from eighth grade, but growing up, I had, I started to write about my life. Um, and I am, I, you know, I just wrote two poems a few days ago. Uh, you know, I have a, a son on the way. And so I'm writing letters to him in anticipation, in anticipation for him to read those in the future. Wow. And I'm, I'm really trying to come up with creative ways to do my dissertation. So I'm writing journal entries, I'm writing poetry, and I really just want to talk about my experiences as a, as a black man in America, as a black man in engineering, as a black man who is now a father. I'm mm -hmm. trying to capture the, the authentic, authenticity of what it means to be me, <laughs> to survive and thrive as me, as, a, as someone who has always tried to figure things out but never really had the answers until he yeah. just happened upon them. And exactly. so I'm, I'm, you know, poetry is just my way of giving back to myself. Uh, it's a form of self-care to me. And, you know, I'm, hopefully I'll be able to write some more poetry for you to see. <laughs> Got you. No, that's dope. And uh, congrats once again on the, um, on the pregnancy and, the, and your kid coming. And I want to ask you, because I know you're a little bit biased, right? You, your main goal is helping people get scholarships, um, going to college. And I want to ask, like, in this day and age with everything being so accessible, especially when it comes to education, is do you feel that you're, you would be in a position to push your kid, like, yo, go to college? Or are you more of like, yo, man, like, what do you want to learn? Let me find that resource for you. Because I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of changing a little bit, right? Yeah. I don't know if you, if you're aware of that as well. Yeah, there's, there's kind of this, this divide in, in which universities are seen as dinosaurs now. And yeah. education is more and more accessible each and every day. So uh, for my child or for my children, I don't think I will push college on them. I think that there's a lot of different ways to get experience, to mm -hmm. credential yourself, especially with micro-credentialing. Uh, certificates through Google, for example, are a way to uh, validate that you know and have the skills that you need in order to do the job that you want to do. And so mm -hmm. I would, I would definitely 
especially as the entrepreneurial side of me wants my kids to not have to work for anybody else but to pursue their own passion projects and profit yeah. off those uh as they mm-hmm. as they you know as they invest their time and energy and effort so yeah. i i definitely would not be opposed to my children going to college because there's a yeah. lot of value in that there's a lot of network building that you can mm-hmm. eventually even hire your own team to do the work entrepreneurially that you want to do but yeah. as for me um, I'm open to having my children figure out their own pathways that doesn't necessarily have to look like college. Got you. And I guess if somebody is listening, right, and they're in this situation where um, they're either about to go to college or maybe they're still going through that first year, you know, let's say first year at Michigan in engineering, right? Mm-hmm. I guess what would your advice be for somebody that's like, they're doing it, but like they're only really doing engineering because somebody told them, hey, you'll, you'll make this much money or it's your good science and math. Like, do you have any advice for somebody that they understand the value of engineering, but they're having that struggle staying motivated? Because I was one of those kids where I wanted to change my major. And I, I think you might've maybe dealt with some similarities, but do you kind of have advice for that type of demographic? Yeah, I, I would never advise anyone to stick with something if they truly felt deep down in their core that it did not fit them because that can really put yourself in a hole that you do not want to be in for the rest of your life before the near future. Now, if you are pursuing engineering because you have an early interest in engineering and you feel like that's the way to go, go for it. But if you're just doing it because your parents told you to do it, they thought it was a good idea, I would almost say keep your options open. And if there's something that looks better or more enticing, Dibble and dabble in it until you're sure that you want to do it because there's so many options in this world that you don't want to be stuck in a job that you hate <laughs> because there's there's yeah. no need for that. There's plenty of abundance. There's plenty of income sources that you can find for to sustain yourself and eventually st- sustain your family. So, yeah. um, I you know, I, I don't want people to say, oh, engineering's hard. I can't do engineering. It's not for me. If you have an interest in engineering, it's for you. The system in which we learn engineering is not built to be sustainable and it is not helping people. And so I know the history of engineering and I know what all went into making it what it is today. And it is a monster. And so it's it's not for everybody, but it's also just because you're having a difficult experience in engineering doesn't mean it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. That's, that's some good advice for them. And um, as we're kind of nearing the end, I always like to, you know, leave with, you know, some words of advice from from my guest, right? And But one thing that you said right there, I'm kind of curious, like for you, if you had to change one major thing about the way education is, it can be engineering education, but just edu- education as a whole, because I feel like that's been your path, your research. What's like the first thing that kind of comes to mind? Um, The first thing that comes to mind is really how we nurture a sense of belonging for our students. The whole academic approach to have titles and um, to really distance yourself from the teacher through like sage on the stage, being a lecturer and not really engaging with the student's individual interests. Um, Those are all different pain points that I see that keep students from really learning the material and seeing themselves or envisioning themselves as the people that are capable of doing the work 
And so if I could change anything, I would change that distance between the teacher and the student and the material that they're learning. Got you. That's some good stuff. You're dropping some gems, man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, so uh, kind of going back to the you know words of advice. And you know, before I say this too, I always it's funny because I was talking about this recently because I saw a post about it. I always ask for words of advice, right? And I did a video recently where I um, I just celebrated my first year anniversary awesome. of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> thank you, end of April. And I realized, like you know, all these words of advice—it's dope, it's great, it's it's inspirational. The goal of my podcast, but it seems like we tend to forget about the whole discipline aspect. Because at the end of the day, we know what we got to do. We know what we got to do to make something happen, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you're a good witness of this, or. Uh, version of this is that if you don't have the discipline to actually go do it, then the words of advice is pointless. Right. Right. Uh, so I want to preface that because I, I like to ask the words of advice because I think it's always good to hear inspirational messages. But just as a reminder, anybody that, you know, that's not going to be what helps you succeed. It's the it's that will. It's that discipline. So uh, with, I would like to, for you to share, you know, if somebody was to miss this and only heard a clip, what is the one thing that you would want them to know that you want them to get out of this um, interview or your life experience? Yes. So there are two things that will serve you well in your path to finding success, whatever that means to you. And those are patience and the ability to be flexible. Because you can have your 10-year plan, you can have your five-year plan, you can have your one-year plan. But if you're not patient enough to act on it and wait for the good things to come and then you're quitting all of a sudden because things don't look like they're going to shake out, then you've already lost the battle. But if you allow yourself to be flexible and see that there is, it may not look exactly what you're envisioning, but it looks like you're getting closer and closer and you just have to have some wiggle room to make it work for you, then you can get a lot further in life um, as you, you fail. As you succeed, as you continue to get on this journey that we call life. So it's not all about surviving, but find ways to thrive in very small, grateful ways. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because if you can practice gratefulness and you can say, yes, I got this. I found this job on the ground. Yes, I'm able to breathe. Yes, I'm able to drink this water without feeling any pain in my gut. I can thrive today. And that's that's key. You just got to look for ways to thrive and change the way that you see things by being grateful. Got you, got you man. That's a, I liked it, man. You know, I got to be disciplined and actually live that in my life. But that's some, that's some true stuff, man. Gratefulness is, uh, I think, something that we tend to take for granted sometimes or maybe just forget because of what's happening on in our lives. But it's it's key, man. It's key to really making it or be whatever you consider successful. So uh, I do want to thank you for that. Uh, I also want to remind everybody once again that uh, Donovan will be giving away um, a copy of his book, a free copy of his book, The Scholar's Key. Uh, Do you kind of want to promote that a little bit? I know we talked about it, but how would you kind of summarize that and why should somebody uh, actually read it or go go buy it if they hear about this? Sure. So The Scholar's Key, How You Can Unlock Your Dreams as a Teen, is about me telling you about my journey to becoming a scholar, a million dollar scholar. And so hey. I, do, I don't only talk about my journey. I have the, the journeys of other Gates Millennium scholars who are also considered million dollar scholars. 
And so you have those templates, those outlines of what it looks like to become successful in getting scholarships, getting fellowships, or getting uh, the income that you want to get. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's very transferable. It doesn't have to just be scholarships. So you can find different ways to think about what success looks like to you. And you can use the book to help motivate you to get you to that next step. Mm, got you. That's some, that's some good stuff, man. And uh, what about if anybody wants to contact you, follow you, connect with you, or maybe consider a parent if they hear this asking about your services? What are some um, some ways to reach it, uh, reach you? Yeah, so you can find me at Donovan Coquit at all on all social media. You can visit my website. Uh, donovancoldquit.com and the scholarskey.academy and that'll lead you to my online course where I teach parents and students alike how to get scholarships for themselves or for their children Mm -hmm. Um, and really you can find me Clubhouse, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. I'm on all of it just feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Instagram and DM me if you have any questions and I'm always an open book so feel free to ask me any questions i'll try and answer them the best i can appreciate that uh but yeah thank you uh donovan for coming on and being a pal and sharing your story hope it was able to inspire some people but you know i'm gonna let you go and i'm gonna wrap it up and uh you know i'll talk to you later all right thank you thank you all for tuning in to that creative conversation hope you were able to get inspired and if you were and you'd like to continue being inspired there's three main ways you guys can do that So one, you can always watch the Paul and Pals podcast on YouTube, either live every other Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern or whenever you get the time because they're always uploaded at the following Monday. And two, you guys can actually listen on all podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple, um, wherever you guys want to go. And then three, there's actually also a newsletter that you guys can actually subscribe to. It comes to your email every Monday morning. And in that section, I kind of just describe what happened in that episode, but also I add uh, my take. So I kind of talk about what I took away from the episode. Um, So without any further ado, always remember to stay creative.